It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast, the first episode of 2019. Mitchell Forty has abandoned me for this one. He is, I don't know, somewhere off gallivanting around, maybe taking a couple days off after the end of football season. So this is Gabe DeArmond. I'm here, and I'm going to run this thing solo. Hopefully uh, it'll be good enough. You guys will still listen next week. Football season's over. We'll wrap up a few thoughts on that toward the end, but we've done that daily, really, since uh, since Monday. So we're kind of using the new year to move on to basketball season. Missouri does not play on the opening weekend here, uh, but they will start SEC play against the Tennessee Volunteers on Tuesday night at home. Easy task. Tennessee's only the number three team in the country and probably the odds-on favorite to win this league. So we're going to talk to Rob Lewis from VolQuest.com about the Vols and SEC basketball. Rob, what's going on, man? Uh, following the number three team in the country, Gabe, and also yeah. trying to track an offensive coordinator hire. You know how fun that is. Yeah, um, well, uh, true to Tennessee coaching hires lately, that's only been lasted, like, what, four weeks now? 38 days in county. Okay, okay. So... You know, they, they should hire somebody this week. Twitter will get mad, and then they can go hire the guy that's really going to get the job, and it'll all be good. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, first things first, I, I want to ask you about Rick Barnes. Look, the day Rick – this is no exaggeration. The day Rick Barnes got fired in Austin, Texas, I texted people I knew and said, Missouri should fire Kim Anderson right now and hire Rick Barnes without a coaching search. Do people in Knoxville, is he now getting the due he deserves as oh, a great coach? He is he is the most popular guy in Knoxville. And I, I mean, I, full disclosure, I mean, I, I, I did not think he was a great hire at the time, strictly because of the way things ended at Texas and because of his age. And, man, I've I've eaten tons of crow over that. I mean, I've, I've, I've been on board for a long time now. But, uh, I'm amazed at, you know, the way he's been able to build this thing in the, the short amount of time. I mean, last year, I mean, 26 wins in his third year with a with a roster that did not have a top 100 player on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all these kids are back. And, you know, I think the way things ended in Texas also put a little, you know, put a little juice juice in him as well. I mean, I, I think he did not want to go out that way. And um, yeah, as far as popularity goes in this town, he, he has people eating out of Eating out of the palm of his hand, and it's and it's a great fit too. I mean, he he he's from Hickory, North Carolina, which is just over the mountains from the from Tennessee, the North Carolina border. Uh, I, this, I mean, for Tennessee, they had it. You know, he came up a, a few times in the nineties. You know, mm-hmm. and in hindsight, being twenty twenty, it would have been a fantastic hire then. But uh, just just can't say enough about the job he's done. And again, you know, without a roster that is loaded with you know, McDonald's All-Americans or, any, or anybody even approaching that kind of status. Well, and, and some coaches, I mean, look, Rick has gotten those guys in the past. Obviously, uh, Durant played at Texas. T.J. Ford played at Texas. Like, he's capable of getting those guys. But some guys, I almost think, and, and I think Conzo Martin is a little bit this way too, they're almost better when they don't have those guys. Because, like, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Rick's Final Four at Texas wasn't with Durant. No, but it was with Walker Aldridge. Okay. Well, it, I mean, he was okay, and TJ, and TJ I guess. Ford. Yeah. And T.J. Ford. So, yeah. he was – but also, I mean, I think, you know, and, and I'm not trying to cast aspersions. I'm not saying that everybody that gets these kids is, is, is you know, doing anything shady. But oh, no, I think it's been I, proven I it's, pretty think, much everybody is. Well, I think he's a, he, he is most definitely at the point in his career where he's not, he's not playing that game anymore. He's not mm-hmm. 
and I'm not saying he's not, I'm not talking about cheating or anything like that. I'm just talking about dealing with somebody's crazy uncle that, you know, you got to call, you know, two times a day, I mean, you know, dealing with kids that right. you know have, need to have their ego stroked. He is not, he's, he is done with that. And, and that's, that's reflected in the kind of roster he's built here. I've never seen team chemistry like Tennessee has right now, Gabe. I mean, you know, I don't pretend to know these kids or be around them 24 hours a day, but I mean, they don't have a bad guy on the roster. I mean, it's, it's literally, I, I think a huge key to the success is how, how well these guys get along. And, and I think that's reflected in how they play. So uh, you obviously know much more about this than I do, and you can correct me if my read on this is wrong. We'll talk about this Tennessee team specifically in a minute, but just general Tennessee basketball, my impression, I mean, look, football's always going to come first there, like it does most places in the SEC. Uh, but I've always said the SEC, there's one place that's a basketball school. Then you've got, I think, Missouri and Arkansas that care about it quite a bit. And then Tennessee, I think, is right there as far as, when they're good, like that's a huge arena. That's a pretty good oh, yeah. basketball fan base. It's just, it's not ever going to get the attention football is, but they care much more about hoops in Knoxville than most of the SEC does. Oh, I don't, no question. I would, I would put it right. I mean, I would uh, agree with you completely, David. I think Arkansas, Missouri, and, and Tennessee are three schools that are like you know Kentucky's, you know, at, on a different level. Yeah. That's that's clear. But you just mentioned. I mean, this is a twenty-one thousand feet arena. That has a lot of bells and whistles. I mean, it's it's no joke. And um, but the the difference, or I guess the, the kind of difference between Kentucky and, and that kind of level is, you know, if, if it's bad basketball, Tennessee fans aren't coming out. And that's the same for a lot of places. But historically, when Tennessee's good, fans will come out, and they will. I mean, as an example, uh, this past Saturday, Tennessee played a four and eight Tennessee Tech team, and they had twenty one thousand people in the arena. Mm-hmm. Tickets were being scalped for 70, 80 bucks for lower bowl seats, which is remarkable. You know, for that, students were gone. It's an Ohio Valley Conference team. And uh, it was, I mean, it was a scene. So who's the best player on this Tennessee team? Is it Grant Williams or Admiral Schofield? I I will vote Grant, but it's, I mean, it's really a Batman and Robin type situation. This is no no disrespect to Admiral, who is a big time player. But in my opinion, so much of what he gets is a result of all, of everybody going in to, to play in Tennessee, trying to take Grant away. And, you know, Grant is – he does a lot for this team. It's an inside-out offense. He's a very willing passer. And Admiral is the kind of guy that he can abuse you on his own, in, in his own right. But to me, it starts with Grant Williams. Well, and, I mean, he was obviously the SEC player of the year last year. Conzo Martin said on the teleconference today, he thinks both of those guys are, like, probably – first or second team All-Americans. They, they, they've they both played at that level pretty much all year, haven't they? I think so. And, I mean, you look – I mean, I've not seen every college basketball game out there, but the <laughs> performance that Admiral Schofield put down on Gonzaga uh, back in December, 25 points in the second half in a in a very high-level basketball game, uh, I don't know that anybody's played a better game than that this, this season. We know those two. Everybody knows those two. Conzo said today he thinks Jordan Bones kind of the guy that makes it go. I mean, I understand that is a generic statement that you always say about a point guard, but how important is he to what they do? Uh, it's huge, Gabe, and he has really stepped up his game this year. He's a guy that, you know, all offseason Rick Barnes talked about him being the most improved player on the team, and it has really looked that way. He's, you know, he's been good. He's been a, you know, he's been a two-year starter, but, you know, some of that was by necessity as a freshman. He has really taken things to another level, especially in this last month. Uh, prior to this year, he had never had a double-digit assist game. He's had two double-digit assist games in Tennessee's last three games. Um, 
not shooting it great right now, but, man, he is pushing it. He is finding people. He's not turning the ball over. Uh, just, I mean, Tennessee leads the SEC in assists by a wide margin, over 21 a game, and Jordan wow. is a huge reason for that. 21 a game is – that's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I mean, Arkansas is the next closest. I think I looked this up for something I was writing. They are uh, – Arkansas is averaging right at 18. So, Tennessee is about three per game better than, than the, the second-best team in the league in that, that category. So, I don't know if you can answer this question yet, Rob, because we haven't seen it because Tennessee's only loss is an overtime loss to Kansas. But if there is a kryptonite for this team or if they, if they lose a game, you know, what's exploitable? I think depth is an issue right now because of um, Lamonte Turner, who was the sixth man of the year last year in the conference. He's been out with a, a shoulder injury that has lingered for a long time, had off-season shoulder surgery, and uh, has not been back. He played a couple games early in the season and just hasn't been able to get back on the court since then. Mm-hmm. So right now, they're, I mean, they're playing you know nine guys, but really it's, it's a seven-man rotation. They're pretty thin, so foul, foul trouble could be an issue. And um, – you know, teams with a lot of size can get Tennessee problems. I mean, Grant is a, you know, obvious, you know his numbers speak for himself, but he's still he's a six six power forward more or less. Right. Kyle, Kyle Alexander is a you know, six eleven guy, but he's also you know two ten two two hundred fifteen pounds. So he's not he's not exactly a brute in there. So teams with exceptional size can give him problems. But really, right now, foul trouble I think is is kind of their Achilles heel, and and that's a lot because of depth. And that you know you saw in Kansas. I mean, Tennessee was. Played him toe to toe. Grant Williams fouled out, and Kansas kind of pulled away easily in overtime. Yeah, well, those two things are bad news for Missouri on Tuesday night because they really only have one big guy, and you are familiar enough with Conzo Martin's teams to know that they're not really going to play at a pace that's going to wear you out and bring depth into play. Yeah, so. that's what I'm going to be really interested to see how that works out because that's kind of been one of Rick's biggest, you know, teaching points this last, these last few weeks. He's, he's He's after his guys to play faster, to push it, and they've been doing that. And, yeah, I know Conzo is not going to want to play that way. So I'm gonna, I, that'll be a kind of a, an interesting to see who can who can kind of impose their will and, and, you know, create the tempo they want. Yeah, this is actually a pretty big game for Missouri so from the standpoint of, look, it, it's not one you expect to win, but their next three games are like at South Carolina, Alabama at home, at A&M. They're all winnable. This team has actually done enough now in the non-conference that people are starting to go, Hey, if you can pick up some wins, you might get into that conversation down the road. So starting it with a win over Tennessee would be huge, as obviously not likely, I, I would say. But, uh, you know, this I don't know. We see every year playing college basketball on the road is uh, is not an easy – I think it's the it, toughest sport to win away from home because I think I officials lose their minds. No question about it. And I'll be – I mean, I, 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 would be, I mean, I expect Tennessee to win, but it certainly won't surprise me. And I, and, and I think – what will benefit Tennessee greatly is the experience they have. I and mean, they, they start two seniors and three juniors. I mean, they've got a lot of experience on this team. And, and going on the road mm-hmm. is not something that's going to be new for them. But they've only played one true road game thus far, which was at Memphis in a game that was, you know, kind of – I mean, Tennessee was in control of that one, but it, it wasn't like they you know, just lit the world on fire. One more on on this matchup specifically with Rob Lewis of VolQuest.com, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the SEC. But – uh, I mean, this game is is interesting from the Conzo versus Tennessee perspective, but the one that's going to be really interesting is February 5th when he returns to Knoxville for the first time. Um, I don't think it's, like, widely known, but I don't think it's a super secret either that the parting wasn't exactly uh, 
great when he left there. Um, what kind of uh, what kind of venom will there be from Tennessee fans when he rolls into town yeah, in about a month? And I, I hope very little. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think Conzo Martin is a, is a really good guy, and I, I had all, I had really good experiences with him in his time here. So, you know, I, I hope Tennessee fans are, you know, don't don't embarrass themselves. But yeah, I mean, it was a little contentious, and you know, I think it got that way more so after the fact with some mm-hmm. some articles that were written long after his departure. But uh, I, I don't think it will be. I don't. I don't think you'll see a lot of vitriol, personally. I mean, there, there, you know, there'll be probably some people that you know scatter some booze in the crowd. But hopefully, uh, hopefully, there's it's a little more classy than that because you know, as I said, I mean, I, I think Conzo Bart is a class act, and I hope Tennessee fans treat him that way. Well, and it but gets we'll much. See. It gets much more difficult to have vitriol toward anyone when you have the number three team in the country. Like I don't think anybody is wishing Conzo was the coach there right now. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. <laughs> so, all right, let's let's look around this league. Like a couple months ago, I really thought this might be the best conference in the country. It yeah, isn't. not anymore. Yeah, it no. isn't at all. I mean, I think you've got two and a half really good teams. I think Tennessee's really good. I think Auburn is is very good. And I think we all know Kentucky at some point is going to be really yeah, it's, good. It's a Kentucky blueprint. You know, they, they don't look good in November and, and getting, you know, blew North Carolina out, had a nice win at Louisville this weekend. I mean, they're getting better and better. And, and, and I'm sure, I mean, like you said, Gabe, I mean, they that's what you expect with, you know, the way Cal builds his roster these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, Auburn, I don't think is quite, quite as good as I anticipate. I'm not saying they're bad, but I mean, I, I thought they were certainly, you know, Easily a top ten team. Now I think they're a fringe top ten team, but uh, after that, you know Mississippi State has a nice squad. LSU, I'm, I'm not sold on LSU. And then after that, I mean I think it's completely wide open. After those yeah. those five teams, I think Florida has been a disappointment. Yeah, Vandy you know, with the injuries. I didn't expect it to be great, but I thought that you know top twenty five type team and certainly you know a shoe in for the NCAA tournament, and that's no longer the case. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you, Gabe. It's, it's, it's certainly not where it was last year. And, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of teams beat each other up in that bid race. Yeah. And so, I mean, in Knoxville, the goals, I think, have to be realistic and pretty clear. SEC title, number one seed, this is a legitimate national championship contender. Yeah, I, I can't believe that, you know, I can say that with a straight face. But, you know, <laughs> you look, I mean, but that, that's true. I mean, you look at Tennessee's preseason schedule and they beat Gonzaga on a neutral court. Played toe to toe with Kansas and lost in overtime in um, in New York in the preseason NIT. So uh, yeah, I mean it, it's crazy to say, but for a program that's never even been to a Final Four, but yeah, I mean you look around and they, I think they're a legit contender. No no question about it. All right, so it, we'll wrap up. Just uh, you mentioned, you know, the search for an offensive coordinator. What's kind of the feeling coming out of year one of Jeremy Prode? I understand there is leeway nobody is jumping to any conclusions but what's the general thought on where things are after year one uh, i mean I, I think tennessee fans uh, for the maybe not the maybe not you know the vocal minority on on twitter which mm-hmm. I, I know that uh you're used to dealing with that game but i oh, think yes. most people are uh, pretty level-headed and, and realize just exactly the kind of task that jeremy inherited i mean butch jones went oh and eight in the sec in his last year here so you know you don't you don't come into a program that just did that and, and have a lot to work with. Uh, I think the fact that Jeremy won two SEC games over ranked teams on the on the road at Auburn and and at home against uh, at the time a you know a, a highly ranked Kentucky team really uh you know 
gave him, a, I don't know, leverage may not be the wrong word, but, you know, gave people some, some kind of semblance of hope mm-hmm. that uh, they had the right guy. And he's really followed that up with a, a very nice effort on the recruiting trail so far. I mean, certainly a really good job for a, a guy that, you know, just went five and seven and closed with bad losses to Missouri and Vanderbilt. So I think Tennessee fans are hopefully, you know, cautiously optimistic that they have a guy that, that can get this thing headed in the right direction. So is it realistic for Tennessee to get back at some point to what Tennessee was? Because we, we see what Kirby's doing at Georgia. Dan Mullen's at Florida. Uh, Kentucky is is obviously ahead of where they're at right now. Missouri has been better than they have the last few years. Is it realistic to get back to that, hey, the goal every year is winning this division and playing in the SEC title game? Well, I mean, I, it's, it's, I think that's what Tennessee fans are pointing towards. But, it, I mean, it's not realistic next year or the year right. after. I mean, this is this – is, I mean, it's a rebuild. I mean, Butch Jones left this thing at shambles. I can't stress that enough. I mean, for Tennessee to go 0 and 8 in the SEC, I mean, that that's just unthinkable for for longtime fans of this program. And and, and you mentioned Missouri. I mean, Tennessee's goal right now is not to beat Georgia or Alabama. In my opinion, it's to beat Vanderbilt, Kentucky, South yeah. Carolina, Missouri. I mean, that that's where this thing has to start. That's how far it's fallen. But uh, I mean, the support is here. The infrastructure. Is here. I mean, you look at the the commitment is here. When you talk about assistant coach salaries, when you talk about facilities, um, I don't know if they can get back there, Gabe. But that I mean, they they are certainly gearing up and trying. I cannot fault the administration for that at, at all. I mean, that's that's clearly clearly the goal. All right. Well, last thing for you, I saw Butch Jones' name pop up as a candidate at West Virginia. I'm sure Tennessee fans would find some uh, humor in that happening. I'll be stunned. I, I, that guy's not going to get a head coaching job. He's got a he's got a heck of an agent to keep his name circulating like that after the job he did here. <laughs> All right, Rob, I appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you down the road. All right, Gabe, enjoy it. Rob Lewis, VolQuest.com. It does a great job covering Tennessee. I mean, he covers football, but but basketball is kind of his uh, his area of focus and and pays as much attention probably to SEC basketball as a whole as anybody in our network. So thought he'd be a good guy to have on with uh, Mizzou facing the volunteers. And then to just talk a little bit of uh, SEC basketball again, that is a Tuesday night game. That's Missouri's first SEC game. They played one, between bragging rights and Tennessee. There were 16 days. Missouri played once. So they get a break. Conzo Martin said on the, the conference call today, he liked it because they get to practice a lot, get a lot of skill work in, all that. Whether the players like it or not is another matter. Uh, but once Missouri gets back on the floor on Tuesday night, it, there's, I think, one other bye at some point this year. But it is pretty much Tuesday or Wednesday and then Saturday every week from now till, you know, the first week in March when they'll play the SEC tournament, uh, which is back down in Nashville this year. And we'll be there. Uh, we'll be at, at all the home games, a few of the road games, all that. So, this team is 9-3 and three, um, coming out of the non-conference. I've said a number of times, I think it's the best you could have hoped for with Jonte Porter out. I, I think they have put themselves in a position not yet to talk about the NCAA tournament, but where you could maybe down the road be in a position to talk about the NCAA tournament. The way I'm looking at it is I think Missouri is going to have to get to 10-8 and eight in the SEC to really have any – realistic shot of saying, hey, we're going to Nashville playing for a tournament bid because last year the SEC was good enough that if you went 500 and Missouri got enough wins in the non-conference, if you went 500, you were going to get in. 
I don't really think Missouri's non-conference has been all that impressive. I mean, UCF is a probable tournament team, but right now that's not a quadrant one win. Um, Xavier is not a quadrant one win. I, I'm not sure that's a tournament team. Illinois, it was fun to win for Missouri fans. It was a big win for Missouri fans. It's not a good win. They are not a good basketball team. So Missouri really doesn't have any impressive resume wins yet. So they start with Tennessee at home, then mention those next three games at South Carolina, home against Alabama, at Texas A&M. I think Missouri's goal here should be 3-1 and one when they go to Fayetteville, Arkansas on January 23rd. That has always been a tough place to play. Missouri hasn't uh, had good luck down there recently. That's probably a loss. But then LSU comes to town. That's one you should win. Auburn comes to town. Uh, you know, Auburn's a good team, but it's at home. You get Vanderbilt at home. That's three straight home games. If you can go two and one in those, or uh, I'm sorry, you're at Auburn. So that's probably a loss. Uh, but then then Vanderbilt's at home. Basically, this team's going to have to find a way to go seven and two at home. Uh, they get Tennessee and Kentucky at home. So those are not easy games. But if you can win the rest of the home games and you find a way to steal three or four on the road, you're going to have yourself at least in the discussion for a tournament bid going to Nashville for the SEC tournament. And where this team was a month ago, that's uh, that's not something I thought we'd be talking about at any point this year. want to kind of put a bow on football season. Hey, Liberty Bowl was what it was. We have broken it down six ways from Sunday. I'm not really interested in doing it anymore. Uh, very emblematic of the season, a game that was close, a game that, Missouri needed to make one more play than it made to win. Um, overall, this season was a step forward, not as big a step as many had hoped, not as big a step as it could been, could have been, but clear progress. Uh, this time of year now is, is really strange. In the past, this has always been recruiting time. This has always been leading up to signing day, a month left, what's going to happen. Now there's three spots. Missouri needs two defensive ends and an offensive lineman, and that's it. Um so there's not going to be a ton of visits. There's not going to be a ton of recruiting news. They're looking at three spots. I think the biggest news over the next month is going to be how many guys are transferring out, how many spots are freed up. Certainly some of them will. Certainly some of those will play quarterback. Uh, and then we are watching Albert Okwe Bunam over the next 11 days at some point will make a decision whether he is staying at Missouri or going to the NFL. I think he should stay. I don't think he's ready to be an NFL player right now. That said, what I think doesn't much matter if somebody tells him they think he's ready to be an NFL player and he's going to be drafted high enough, I, I think there's a pretty decent chance he leaves. Uh, that would Messiah Swenson is, is going to be healthy next year. Daniel Parker played well. I don't think it's a killer if you lose Albert, but Albert is obviously a guy who can can make a huge difference and, and maybe even win you a game or two over the course of next season. I think the biggest thing about next season, they've got to find a pass rush, whether it's Chester Graves, whether it's another defensive end, whether it's a freshman coming in, whether it's Jatorian Hansford and Trajan Jeffcoat becoming guys on that defensive line. And honestly, I think starting uh, because I've seen enough out of the guys that started at defensive end this year. And whether Trey Williams is on the team or not, I, I don't think Missouri has enough at that position. Um, I think it was the biggest problem with this team Outside of special teams, which was mind-numbingly bad, outside of special teams, 
the lack of a pass rush was the biggest thing. I think DeMarcus AC and Christian Holmes are good enough. I think Tyree Gillespie and Joshua Bledsoe are good enough in the secondary. I don't think the problem – it's not an elite secondary, but I think it's good enough to win you a, a good number of games. But I don't think you can give an opposing quarterback nine seconds to stand back there and find somebody because even elite secondaries can't cover for nine seconds. So defensive end and special teams, I think, are the biggest hurdles to clear between now and next August 31st in Laramie, Wyoming. Uh, when the 2019 team takes the field. We'll have all kinds of time to talk about that. It is mostly basketball mode now for the next, uh, you know, three months. Uh, Missouri, Tennessee on Tuesday night. Uh, later this week, we will start kind of uh, ramp-ups, little non-conference review, a little SEC preview, all that, really start hitting uh, Missouri basketball and where things stand there. So, Thanks for listening. We'll be here every Thursday in 2000. Well, not every Thursday, most Thursdays in 2019. Eventually, Mitchell will be back here and uh, will be on the podcast with me. And so you don't have to listen to 25 minutes of me every week. But uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.